that groove make you want to dance? Maybe it's just me. Okay. Um, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, they're in the back here, and I would encourage you to grab one of those. But uh, let's go ahead and let's get this thing rolling here. Um, a couple weeks ago, we started a series called Corner, and uh, we're talking about the value of generosity. Um, so far in this series, we've talked about a couple of key thoughts that I thought I would get you up to speed on. One, generosity is not dependent upon finances. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. So money is important, but it's not the only thing when we're talking about generosity. Um, rather, generosity is a disposition of our hearts. It's a way that we hold our hands. We talked about this last week, that the wisdom of Ecclesiastes gives us these three pictures, one of just kind of idleness, one of kind of grasping and, and clinging and one of just holding things with an open hand. So generosity is all about how we hold things. Uh, We talked about um, in this passage in 2 Corinthians we're going to look at that oftentimes God gives us different graces, different burdens, if you will, certain things that you particularly and me particularly, God says, I want you to get involved in this or I want you to get involved in that. Uh, And we talked about the fact that 10% is not mentioned anywhere in the New Testament teachings about what's normal for Christians. So we're going to unpack that a little bit more. But uh, while it remains, generosity is not limited to money today. Specifically, I want to talk to you about money. Uh, This could get awkward, and I hope it doesn't. Um, I'm trying to do my best to ensure that it doesn't. But if, in fact, 10% is not the normative teaching for Christians in the New Testament... Then what, what do we go on? Am I gonna, uh, can I give, are we going to give you a number today? Like, hey, you should give this amount uh, if you're a Christian, or you should not, or you should give this percentage, or so on and so forth. Or are there some values that we can glean from this particular teaching or this particular passage and others that would uh, influence and give us some insight on money and, and, and how we should interact with it? For the record, uh, I'm not going to give you a number today. I'm not going to tell you that if you follow Jesus, you should give X percent. Uh, because I think to do so would really betray everything that we've talked about thus far, as, as, as far as generosity goes. So I'm hoping that as we unpack this and as we get into this text, that some things will surface and some values that we can say, if you're a member of Awaken, and if you're a Christian at large, uh, if you are visiting from out of town or whatnot, what does the Bible teach about money and what does it teach about giving and generosity related to money? Are there some values there? And I think that there are. Um, We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, so if you want to turn there, go ahead and do that. And uh, here's what I want to do. I want to look at some specific things in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and then I want to move to some just practical things about Awaken as an organization. So again, if you're visiting, uh, you've kind of come on an interesting week, and we're going to do this because I I, I want to share a a very specific story that influences uh, a lot of the reason why we're doing this the way we're doing this today. Um, I can remember many times being a part of church staffs, Uh, not that I've been a part of that many, but I remember a lot of meetings where I was a part of a church staff, and a particular issue would come up, or sometimes it was money, sometimes it was a different issue related to something else, but it was something that could be awkward if addressed from the front uh, in a teaching. And I I always sat there in, in those meetings, and I would say, why don't you just talk about it? Why don't you just do it right from the front? Like, teach about it, be open, be honest, be authentic. Uh, Yeah, it has the possibility or the potential to feel awkward. And and the responses I would get would be something like, uh, you can't do that. Do you guys remember that show, You Can't Do That on Television? It was an old Nickelodeon show. It was like, you can't do that in church. You can't say that. Uh, To which I would say, why? Like, where's the rule on that? 
Uh, or, or it could be awkward. Well, okay, yeah, it could be. Or, or the one, well, what about newcomers and, well, you know, and visitors and all that kind of stuff? Well, what about... And I just remember being so disappointed uh, a number of times thinking, um, gang, if we can't do this as a community, as people who follow Jesus, if we can't talk about this kind of stuff openly and honestly, then what, why are we, what are we doing here? And what are we even ta- what, what's the point of this? And I vowed to myself, uh, if I ever get an opportunity to lead or be a part of leading a community, we're going to try to do it differently. And so we're gonna, just going to lay it on the table this morning and give you some thoughts about what I think the scriptures teach and some things about Awaken and what we believe about money. Uh, and, and I'm hoping that this comes off as authentic, that it comes off as uh, that we're trying to be faithful to the scriptures. And I, I hope and I pray, I've been praying about this all week, that it doesn't come off as awkward or weird or um, that you leave going, hmm, that, I have a sour taste in my mouth. I'm hoping and praying that's not the case. Um, but before we do some uh, look at, at, at 2 Corinthians 8, we should probably lay a little bit of groundwork, and I would say a couple of things to start. First, I would say, Awaken is a voluntary organization, right? This is a group of people, it's all volunteers here, and what we mean by that is we don't have a profitable business model. We have nothing that we're selling that's going to make us money, and so everything that we do, everything that Awaken is and does and wants to be in the world is dependent upon you, me, the people who are giving to this thing that we believe God has called us to. Everything that we do, uh, what this means is that outside of denominational support, which is going to end in a couple of years, if you didn't know, we're a church plant, uh, so we get some help. Uh, We operate, we pay staff, we invest dollars, we do everything from what we can gather and what we believe God has called us to do and that we give to. So we're a volunteer organization. Uh, This also means, connected to that, that mission and vision is absolutely critical. One thing that I've learned uh, in church work over, over my years is that people don't give to programs. It doesn't matter how many cool programs we have or how many slick things that we're doing. People are not uh, compelled by that. But people, and I, uh, if I'm just talking about me personally, am compelled by vision and a mission that is bigger than myself. And so the primary role, one of the primary roles that I have as a pastor and as a leader of this community is to be someone who's listening to, discerning, and with the help of other leaders, we're hearing what we believe God has called us to do and then giving it voice. Painting a picture that's compelling so that you all think, okay, this is where this church is headed. I can get behind that. So that's one of my primary responsibilities and roles. And we believe God has given us a very particular and a very specific vision. Uh, We talk about it in this kind of language. We believe awaken exists to demonstrate and announce the way of Jesus in the world. Demonstrate and announce the way of Jesus. That's it. So if you could funnel everything that we do down to something, at its core, we exist as a community to demonstrate and announce what Jesus is up to in the world. Now, this takes on all kinds of different lenses. It takes on all kinds of different faces. Uh, for example, as we're, we're focusing on hunger this next year, these are, this is one of the ways that we're going to be demonstrating and announcing the way of Jesus. And gang, we believe that this is something that God has given us. So we've translated, we've perceived, we've heard, we believe, uh, from God, and we've discerned that this is what we are about, and this is what we're to be about. And so when you give to Awaken... This is what you're giving to. When you put money in those buckets, when you give money to this thing, you're giving to this vision that we believe God has called us to. And my hope and my prayer is that what we're dreaming about, what we're talking about, is something far bigger than any one of us could do alone. 
and is something far bigger that we could even do together if God isn't in it. So we're hoping and praying that as we live into vision and as we live into this mission that we believe God's given us, that it's something that if he doesn't show up in the midst of, all the dollars and cents in the world could be given and it wouldn't make any difference in the world. We would still fail. But when you give to Awaken, that's what you're giving to is mission and vision. That having been said, let's look at 2 Corinthians 8 and uh, we'll, we'll see if we can glean some things. If I'm not going to say that uh, if 10% is not the norm for Christians, okay, if you don't hear me, if you haven't heard that clearly yet, let me say it again. Nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere in the teachings of Jesus, nowhere in uh, Paul or any, anywhere after the book of Matthew do we find a, a, a decree or a declarative that anyone who follows Jesus should give 10%. That's the the norm that I've been taught all my life growing up in the church. That's the number that's always thrown around. You should tithe 10%. That comes from an Old Testament concept. But post-resurrection, what I think we're getting at and what I think Jesus is calling us to is something far bigger than 10%, and it has to do with this value of generosity. It's a way in which we hold our stuff. It's a way in which we perceive the world. So if that's not the norm, then what is and what are the values that we should be thinking about and that we're going to encourage and challenge you to as a member of Awaken? I think we get some of them in 2 Corinthians. So let's read, we're going to read a couple of different spots here in in chapters 8 and 9. So just kind of follow along. This is verses 1 to 5 from chapter 8. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. They did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us in keeping with God's will. Now skip down to verse 10. And here is my advice. This is Paul. He's talking to the Corinthians about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Flip over to chapter 9, verse 5. Says, so I thought it necessary to urge you, brothers, to visit you in advance and finish the arguments for uh, or the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised, and then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. We'll stop there. Let me pray for us as we get into this. God, I ask that you would really open our eyes to see and hear uh, from your word some of the things that you say about giving. Thank you for the aliveness, the the dynamic nature of your scriptures, which not only spoke to the Corinthian church 2,000 years ago, but which now speaks to us here at Awaken. Uh, We ask your guidance uh, by your spirit, we pray. Amen. If I'm not going to give you a a number, 
then what values can we glean from this text? Here are a few things that I think we see. First and foremost, if you look at verse 3 of chapter 8, the first thing that Paul says, and keep in mind, this is a group of people, a Corinthian church he's writing to, and they're giving an offering, he's collecting an offering, and going back to the church in Jerusalem. So there's this little group of people, the Macedonians, and they're, uh, they don't have much. They're impoverished. They're, it says that out of, out of poverty, it welled up in this generosity. So they don't have much, and Paul's using this Macedonian church to encourage and really kind of get on to the Corinthian church and say, hey, look at these guys. Look at the example they're setting, and you guys should follow suit. Verse 3, he says, basically, that if you're going to give, if there's a value that we can draw from this, as a person who follows Jesus, do it out of sacrifice. Do it out of sacrifice. If we look at this group of people in Macedonia, these people really buckled down to give to the church in Jerusalem. According to the text, they're a group of people who don't have a lot of extra. There's not expendable income. There's not, you know, uh, discretionary cash lying around. But these people, they say to Paul, Paul, don't overlook us because we have so little. Because we want to participate in this. And out of sacrifice... They buckled down, they pooled their resources, and they gave to this thing that Paul was up to. And really, they're following the example of Jesus here. Uh, Jesus gives of everything for us. He dies on a cross. He lays down everything. Paul even says he became poor so that we could become rich. If you look at Jesus' teaching in Mark chapter, uh, I think it's uh, 12, uh, there's a story about this, this widow. Many of you have heard this, right? Jesus tells a story about some rich people that come to the temple, and they give out of their wealth, and they give an absorbent amount of money. They give all kinds of cash, but there's this one woman, and she gives out of almost nothing. She gives out of, she gives very, very little, but it's everything that she has. And Jesus says, follow the example of this woman. Give out of sacrifice, not out of plenty. And I want to challenge you this morning. If we're not going to give you a number... If you follow Jesus and we're talking about generosity, we're talking about money, I want to challenge you to give out of sacrifice. I want to challenge you to give from a place where it costs you something. I want to challenge you to give from a place where it actually costs you to give. Because when we don't, when we give out of plenty and it doesn't cost us anything, we sort of miss the point, right? If we're following the example of Jesus, I want to challenge you to give from a place where you sacrifice of your own desires, your own wants, your own wishes in order to give something or someone or or give something to someone else out of sacrifice. Because I think this is the example that we find in Scripture. It's the example we see in Jesus. Skip down to verse 8 of chapter, uh, I'm sorry, verse 12 of chapter 8. Paul says, For If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what he has, not according to what he does not have. Sacrificial, and I would say proportional. I think one of the examples we get here is proportional to what you have. Give out of that. This is another reason why I'm not going to give you a number. For some of you this morning, if you were to give 5%, it would strap you. It would be a major challenge for you to give 5% of what you make in a year. For some of you, to give 15% wouldn't be anything. It wouldn't, it wouldn't cost you anything. So I want to challenge you to give proportionally to what you have or to the income that you make. Uh, we recognize that the nature of life and the nature of, uh, not every situation is the same. And so for us to say, you should, if you follow Jesus, you should give this percent or this amount. It, it, it doesn't take into account that each of you are people and that we all live in different places, that we all have different journeys and we're all in different spots in life. We're, we may be in different seasons in life. 
When I was in college, I didn't have a lot. I, I was a, a coffee shop guy. I worked at a little mom-and-pop place. So I didn't have a lot to give. Some of you may be in college. You may be younger. You may not have jobs yet. Some of you may. So we want to be honest and open about where we all are in life. But I think if we could say anything, we could say give proportionally to what you have. So Paul says give sacrificially, he says give proportionally. And then I, this is one that I think is really, really important. If you flip over to chapter 9, verse 7, Paul says give cheerfully. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Now, why is this important that we give with a cheerful heart? I mean, let's be totally honest if you're looking at it from my perspective. Let's take you for example. Uh, why should I care whether or not you give cheerfully? Right? As the pastor of Awaken, at the end of the day, if money goes in the buckets, why should I care whether or not you do it with a cheerful heart? Because when it gets counted, it all goes to the same place, it all goes in the same bank account, and hopefully it all gets used for the same mission, to demonstrate and announce the way of Jesus. So why should I care if you do it generously or grudgingly? Is that really the issue? I think it is the issue, because oftentimes with the spiritual life, there is something. there are more things going on than what we see on the surface. So Paul says, if you're going to give... Give it with a cheerful heart because, and hear this, money is not the most important part of this equation. Don't hear me saying that money isn't important because it is. The mission and the vision of Awaken is is dependent largely on the money that comes in that you give. So money is important, but it is not the most important part of this deal. What's more important in this deal is your heart. Because that's just the surface piece. That's just the outflow. That's just what we see happening as a, as a response to what's going on behind the scenes or deep within your heart. And I care way more as a pastor and as someone who loves you, I care way more about your heart than I do about what ends up in those buckets. In fact, I would go as far as to say, if you can't give out of a heart that's cheerful, then don't give at all. Now, Back to my original uh, illustration of the settings that I would sit in. I heard, I've heard people say, don't say that. You're, you're an idiot to say that, actually, at church. Don't, don't give people a reason not to give. But I don't think that's very loving, and I don't think it's very pastoral. And I don't think it's very authentic at all. So I would say to you, if you can't give from a place where you recognize the grace that's been given to you from God and you do it out of cheer and gladness to participate in the mission of God in the world, then don't give. I'm just going to let that one sit for a minute. Because it's more important, your heart is more important than any dollar you could put in a bucket. Money is important, but it's not the most important thing. I think money is an absolute connection to what's going on in our hearts. So it's, it's vital that we understand what's going on here. But I would say if you can't give cheerfully, don't give at all. Uh, I, I think it's possible for us to give out of duty and obligation, uh, out of a place that assumes if I don't give, then God won't be happy, or he's not going to bless me, or he's not going to answer my prayers, or he's not going to do this, and so we put money in the buckets. 
I mean, how many of you have ever seen this worked out with kids before, right? So, um, this happens all the time in my house. One child, you know, beats on the other child, and uh, you, you, you catch them in the act, right? And it's just like, oh, come on, guys, get this together. And so you go to said child, child A and child B, for the sake of anonymity. Uh, child A, you can't treat child B like that. That's not nice. It's not loving. You don't hit your sister. So child A, tell her you're sorry. And child A says, sorry. And then walks away, right? Or they look at him, they say, sorry, and then they walk away. Or they just go, all right, and then they walk away. And it's like, you've totally and utterly missed the point, which is a whole other discussion about parenting and what we're actually trying to do. And, when we, and this is awkward, right? You're at a public situation, you're with friends, and your kid does something to another, another mom's friend or another dad's friend, and you're like, oh, gosh, what do I do? I don't want to tell my kid to say sorry even when they're not sorry, but if I don't, this parent's going to think I'm a terrible parent. So you say, tell the kid you're sorry, and then they say sorry, and then you're like, oh, gosh, this is not going well, right? We've debated, you know, what do you do? Do you say... Tell them you should not have hit them because that's true. I can't make you feel remorse. I can't make you feel sorry, but I can make you tell them that you shouldn't have hit them. But it totally misses the point, right? And it plays out so brilliantly in that instance where a kid says, I'm sorry, and then they walk away. Because sorry, them saying the word, it's disconnected. It's detached from anything that they're feeling on the inside. It's disconnected and detached from anything that's going on in the interior life. When you give out of duty and obligation and law, it is detached from what should be going on in your heart. And that is not the gospel, that's the law. And Paul says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We're, this is a new deal. And duty and obligation and law and guilt and shame and fear is not at the heart of the gospel. So if you can't give cheerfully, that's why I'm encouraging you not to give at all. Because that's not the gospel. If you give out of duty and obligation and out of fear and shame, completely missing the joy that's pow- possible when we give, when we live out of generosity. And that's what we're after, gang. That's what I'm talking about this morning. That's why Paul says, if you, if you can't give cheerfully, don't do it. Sacrificially, proportional, cheerful. And I think this isn't explicit in the text, but I think we need to, we need to talk about it because it's at the nature of community, which is really what this is all about. I would say give committed and regularly. Give committed and regularly. And again, this has everything to do with being a part of a community. Everybody talks about community, right? This is the new buzzword in church circles. People talk about, oh yeah, I just want to be a part of a church that does life together and who does community and relationships and all this other stuff. Oftentimes, we completely forfeit the reality that when we talk about community or inherent to community is responsibility, So you can't have community without responsibility. You can't have relationship and community and all the blessings and wonderful things about doing life together without responsibility. Because connected to, essential to, what it means to be a part of community is that I'm responsible to another, right? This is Bonhoeffer, one of my favorite authors. He talks about freedom. And he says, you're free as humans only insofar as you're bound to another human being. This is what it means to be human. This is how God made us to live. When you're, you're free as a human, you live as you were created to live as a human only insofar as you are bound in relationship to another human being. Freedom is not to do whatever you want. Freedom is not to get as much as I can out of this for as little as it costs me. That's, America, that's American capitalism. But that's not the gospel. So when we talk about giving, I want to challenge you guys as a community. There was this band that, that traveled through uh, my, my college years 
uh, in Colorado, and they played at a church I worked at. They were called Shaded Red. They were terrible. Um, <laughs> actually, they were good guys, and they were trying their best, so I shouldn't say they were terrible. If you ever, anybody who's listening to this who likes Shaded Red, or if any of the Shaded Red mem- members are listening to this, forgive me, I shouldn't have said that. Wasn't my cup of tea. How about that? Okay. But they had this one song, and it was called Faker, and it talked about, you know, how we put on these masks and all this other kind of stuff, and it was like, bam, 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 bam. It sounded a little like something else, you know? Is that, I'm not good with the music stuff. What is that? There we go. Thank you. It's Jimi Hendrix, right? It sounded a little bit like that, and it was like, you're a faker, and you know it. You got to go down. But I always wanted to insert, (laughs) thank you for that. I'll be here all week. Thank you. All right, uh, but it was all about faker, and I always wanted to insert, you're a taker, right? You're a taker, because I, 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 I've been a part of situations where you hear people talking about churches, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, the worship wasn't very good, and the music wasn't good, and the preaching, and this and that, and, you know, we, just, we were looking for another church because this wasn't good or that wasn't good, which is a whole nother conversation that we've had in the past, um, but it was this idea that what I'm doing here is I'm, and I've heard this, uh, and I may have even, I've probably, I'm probably guilty of saying this. We're shopping for a new church, right? Um, and it's like we come and we consume spiritual goods and services, and we thank the people who are doing it, the professionals, by putting money in the pot. Oh gosh, you guys. Okay, there's so much that I want to say about that, but I'll just say this: Don't be a taker. If you're a part of community and you want relationship and you were meant for it, you were made for it, so for you to want that is totally natural. But you have to understand that connected to community, connected to relationship is responsibility. And I want to challenge you as a community. If you're a member of Awaken and this is a place that you call home and you have, not, you have no skin in the game, I don't know how else to say it. You're a taker, and you know it. Friends, I've been there, okay? So I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. What I'm trying to challenge you to is to think about this. I want to challenge you to get some skin in the game. I want to challenge you to invest yourself. I want to challenge you to be the responsible recipient, right? Reciprocal, isn't that a math term? Uh, I want to challenge you to to partner, to participate in a relationship, not a one-way deal where we give you something and you take it. Because that is not the gospel. That is not at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. That's not at the heart of what it means to be a community and a church in the world. So if you, and, and friends, I say all this and I, and I recognize that you may be at a place where you can't give financially right now. Like, for whatever reason, okay? Don't hear guilt and shame from here. But hear a challenge to say, there are other ways that you can give. There are other ways that you can participate. There are other ways that you can get involved in this deal. And I want to challenge you to do so. So if you're a member of this community and you have not gotten involved financially, and you can, I want to challenge you to do so. Because part of community is responsibility. And if this vision doesn't compel you to get involved, then go somewhere else and find one that does. We hold you loosely. If this is not where God has called you to be, then go find another church. There's lots of them out there. God's doing all kinds of things through all kinds of churches, and they're different. They're specific to their context and culture. And if this one doesn't turn your crank, then why are you here? Because we've got work to do, friends. Like, we need your seat. We need your parking spot. Uh, Right? 
Fish or cut bait? You've heard that one before? Something or get off the pot? I mean, okay. I'm just going gonna, gonna to put all the cards on the table here today. All right? And I may regret it later, but I'm going to do it anyways, because that's what I do. <laughs> now, I have a couple other things I want to say, and uh, I don't have a lot of time, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, just very briefly, uh, what happens when we give, and then I want to get to some specifics. So what happens when we give? Without, without turning this into health and wealth gospel, look at verse 6 uh, of, of chapter 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. I think that you could say it on biblical grounds that when you're generous, when you sow generosity, you reap generosity. When you sow kofen, this grasping, this, this Hebrew word we learned last week, this grasping and amassing more and more, what you reap is exactly the same and the the wisdom teacher of Ecclesiastes says that that kind of life, that kind of uh, uh, trajectory leads to meaninglessness and vanity. It will not pay out in the end because you were meant for generosity. You were built for it. You were created for it. And when we live into it, when we sow it, we reap it. And what do we find? Life. We find life. This is not health and wealth. This is not if you give money, God will bless you and your stocks will go up and your 401k will go up. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that you could say it with biblical grounds, and and I believe it, that when we're generous, when we sow generosity, we reap it. It's the way it works. It works in farming. It works with, and it doesn't work sometimes with children, right? You reap a a particular behavior and a certain, you know, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Like when you enable a certain thing in a kid, you will reap it, man. I'm telling you, if you sow it, you will reap it, right? It just works, and it's true across all kinds of different planes, when you sow generosity, you reap it. I think, I think one of the most beautiful things, it, look at verse 12 and 13 of chapter 9. Paul says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Gang, when we give, when we live from a generous place, the gospel is told. The gospel is heard. I have some friends. Laura and I had a terrible terrible week. It was one of those weeks where we felt like the world was caving in on us. Like the kind of week where, I don't know what this looks like for you, but for me in my house, I usually end up on the kitchen floor just lying there like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Maybe it looks different for you, but this was one of those weeks. I was literally lying on the kitchen floor like in tears. Like I feel like the world is going to, like someone is standing on my chest and I can't breathe. Have you been there before? Okay, you've been there? So we leave one afternoon, uh, some friends of ours who uh, love us dearly knew what was going on in our lives. We leave for an afternoon, and we came back. It was in the spring, and uh, we have great, great plans for our uh, window boxes. I mean, I can see them, right? They're just beautiful. Gerber daisies and all kinds of fun things in, in the window boxes. But it, right, the world was standing on my chest. I didn't have time to plant window boxes. Uh, we came home, and I drove up the driveway, and I just lost it. I mean, I was in tears because they came over to our house, and they bought all these flowers, and they snuck into our backyard and planted these flowers in these window boxes and put them out. So when we came home that day, do you know what was in the window boxes? Hope. The gospel. I felt for a moment that it was going to be okay, that we were going to make it, that the world was not caving in on itself, that the sky was not falling, that I was going to be okay, that Laura and I were going to make it. And what, 
what happened in that moment was not flowers were given, but the gospel was given. Hope was given that there's something bigger than this. And when we live from that place, friends, guess what the world sees? Guess what story they hear? Paul says, when you gave, it wasn't just the needs were met. It was that the gospel was told because at the heart of the gospel is a God who, who denies himself gives it all away so that you can benefit, so that you can be blessed, so that you can become rich. Paul Paul says, he became poor so that you become rich. What happens when we give, when we live from this place, is that the gospel is told. Needs will be met. Yes, needs will be met. But more than that, the gospel is told. Brass tacks. What can you expect from us at Awaken? I'll close with a couple of thoughts. Number one. The leadership of this community will model or will model to the best of our ability financial generosity. Uh, Every one of the core team leaders that's a part of this team, uh, this leadership team at this church has been challenged to give, not not a number, right? Because that would be hypocritical, okay? But has been challenged to give generously and, and, and sacrificially and proportionately and regularly. So... We will model that. No one, uh, nothing will be said from here that won't be lived out among the leadership of this community. Uh, one of the things that you should know is that 15% of our, of our giving that comes in goes out the door to, uh, we're a part of the Evangelical Covenant Church, and uh, a large portion of that money goes to new church plants because we believe something specific about this model and church plants and what God is doing in and through them. And so we're helping fund more church plants. Uh, we're helping fund some of the things that happen in our denomination. So 15% goes right out the door to missions and to, uh, to the covenant. We will always, we will always budget to income. We have dreams, we have visions, we have thoughts and prayers about what God might be doing in the future, but we will always budget to income. So we will never, we will never go over and above. We'll never spend more than we take in. That's a commitment that you have from us as a leadership team, from me as a pastor, and from our, our finance team. We will always adjust the model to our income, right? So Awaken is a particular model. It's a particular vehicle that we believe uh, based on the scriptures and what the, the church or what the scripture says about the church and our own cultural study about how to take the translated values of what the church is and do it well in our community in our context. So this is a particular vehicle with a paid staff member and a building that we rent and all of this. We've done that specifically for reasons. But if in fact we can't support that, then we will adjust the model based on income, if that makes sense. And that's a commitment that you would have from me and from our team, from our leadership team. One of the things that we talk about is that this building, uh, we'll continue to pay rent here and not own a building and shovel snow and uh, clean it and heat it and all of that because we can then take the money we would, we would spend there and we can invest it in mission. And this is, right now, this is where we're at and this is what we feel is a, a good move for us because we want to invest more in mission. So we don't own a building. We have no desire to own a building. If we could rent this building and pack it out five times, we'll do that before we would ever think about buying a building and land. So those are a couple of things that you can know and and you can expect from us at Awaken. Let me close with this, guys. In a culture that Deuteronomy 24, which was this whole corner idea where God says to the Israelites, don't harvest to the edges, but leave some on the edge, 
crops and what you could harvest was absolutely the most important resource that anyone had access to, hands down, bar none. And God's warning to the Israelites was to remain generous amidst a world that told them otherwise. And God's warning to them was to participate in generosity because it's part of being human. It was, this is what we're made for, being generous, living from this place, not hoarding and amassing more. So as your pastor, I want to challenge you to generosity. I want to challenge you to living from a place of generosity in general because this is what it means to live. This is what it means to be human. God doesn't need your money. He has more than enough. He has all of it. It, He doesn't need it. But, gang, if we become greedy and we hoard and we offend, if we grasp it, what he loses is our hearts. And so money and our hearts are totally connected, and that's why it's talked about so much in Scripture. So I want to challenge you to live generous lives because to do otherwise is to ensure a miserable experience. If you leave and you go find another church and you're not a part of this community, I don't care. What I care about is if your heart is living from a place of non-generosity because it will ensure you a miserable experience. And that is not what I would hope for or pray for for you or for me. Our culture enforces and encourages the opposite of what I'm asking you to do. And it says whatever is the best for you with the least possible investment and cost to you personally is the best model for profit. But I guarantee you, I don't do that a lot, money back, guarantee, that this is not the heart of the gospel. It is absolutely not. So my challenge to you is get involved. Get involved. Be a a responsible member of this community and invest yourself somehow. Live from a place of generosity, whether it's your time, your talent, your passion, your money, or all of the above. Get involved and participate in what God is doing here. Because we believe, and I think there's evidence that God is up to something here. And, And friends, if... I don't know how else to say it. What we're after is the best possible way to live. What we're hoping for, have you ever met people and have they ever said to, hey, those Christians down the street, those guys know how to live. They know how to throw the best parties. They know how to have the most fun. They know how to live. They've got it figured out. Whatever it is about those Christians, I want a part of that because they know how to live. When's the last time you heard somebody who didn't know Jesus say that about the church? Probably never. Why? Shouldn't that be the case? Isn't that what what Jesus said? And John, I've come to give you life and a life abundantly, life the way you were meant to live it, life full of joy and fulfillment. And isn't that what we're after? And so if we are, I want to challenge you to get involved and to participate in what God's doing here. Because not only will I think you, you be in store for a ride, but I think you will actually begin to participate in the life that God in, created you to live. So generosity is the big category. Money is the specific one. I hope that you hear a heart today that wants what God wants. For me, for us, for you, I hope you don't hear guilt and shame. I pray that that's not what you hear. But I hope you do hear challenge. Because I think to live, I think to live in a different way where we take and we consume and we leave and we don't participate in relationship and community, it will, it will, it will lead you down a road of misery and it's not the way you were meant to live.